thanks for jumping on with us on the Lift Your Shop podcast. Uh, today, we're going to have a great episode, and we have a great guest here with us, um, Rob Askew. He, he is with us today representing True Automotive. And so thank you so much for being here to, to with us today, Rob. Thank you for having me. Excited. Yeah. Excited. Yeah. So, um, so if you wouldn't mind just kind of sharing with the audience a little bit of, about how you kind of got started in the automotive space and kind of your journey so far. Certainly, I'll keep it brief because I can talk forever about that. But um, I, I jokingly say it all started. We went to go see a movie and uh, I think either we were late or it was sold out. And we we accidentally walked into Fast and Furious 1. And uh, an hour and a half, two hours later, we were walking out of there making all kinds of car noises and probably driving our parents crazy because we had to be 14 or maybe 13, 14 or 15 years old at the time. And um instantly knew I liked cars. Um, there was some Sunday TV shows that came on Sunday mornings. Um, the power block TV on a speed channel. And, and they had a lot of DIYs and stuff like that with people installing performance parts and, or working on you know, restoration projects or tuning cars up, et cetera. And, um, obviously with those few little things combined, I kind of got the, the knack for cars. I was actually always into bikes. So we were always tweaking our our mountain bikes with upgraded parts and blah, blah, blah. And that best friend's dad, Jerry Shirk, um, as I got 15 years old, we got our learner's permits and he, you know, would let me drive his BMWs. And of course we always wanted the, the famous Mark IV Toyota Supra. Um, and uh, obviously that wasn't really realistic, but you know, we were kids and we, we wanted that. Yep. And he's like, well, why don't you get a BMW? You can get one inexpensively and blah, blah, blah. And I was just dead set on getting that Supra. Well, long story short, um, dad wouldn't buy me a car. Mama bought me a car, but it didn't last long because <laughs> in Hoonigans, we uh, tore it up right away. And so I had to buy my first car, which was a $2,000 Toyota Camry, who I bought from the same gentleman, Jerry Shirk. Mm-hmm. Um it was one of his cars he commuted to work with for, for years. And uh, obviously he upgraded to the BMWs. Oh, so I never thought I would have a BMW driving that Camry around and finally saved up to buy my first 328. Well, my parents had split up and I didn't want my mom to think my dad was being cheap. So I was actually learning how to work on cars and working on that thing myself, but didn't want to scare her making her, you know, worried that I was working on this car and also didn't want her to, you know, dislike my dad any more than she already did. So I was telling <laughs> her, Oh yeah, dad, help me fix this. And, you know, and, um, quickly thereafter, I just printed some very inexpensive business cards. I think I have one still up on the shelf over there. Um, kind of give me some inspiration still to this day. Ah. Um, and I started passing out business cards. I remember, um, I walked, I was going to a uh, Kroger, around the corner from where we grew up. And this gentleman was like, Hey, I really like your BMW. I was like, Oh, thank you. He's like, who works on it? I was like, Oh, I work on it myself. He's like, Oh, really? He's like, you got a card? And I was like, I do. And I <laughs> on my, you know, cheesy homemade cards. I probably made on Vistaprint for a dollar. Nice. And um, he was one of my first customers. In fact, I was actually been looking to try to find him. So if you're out there, if you're hearing this podcast, would love to reconnect to you. Um, I believe his name was Bill. I can't remember his last name, bless his heart, but uh, worked on cars out of his garage, out of my mom's garage. I remember even, you know, getting stuck, breaking a bolt and not knowing how to fix it. And 
you know, it was always, always honest and transparent. And if I, if I couldn't do it, I'd let people know and I'd still help try to get it done. Um, but I, I quickly realized um, having taken my car to shops that I just didn't get the best vibe. Sometimes I didn't feel important. I didn't feel like, you know, that, that really even people wanted to be there sometimes. I remember it was sometimes scary going to the yeah. shop and uh, you know, the people were short and mean and uh, I just wanted to try to create something different. So I was just trying to be positive, you know, behind the scenes, I might be crying or <laughs> mad as all hell, but in the front, I'm like, Hey, you know, how are you? And just trying to be as positive as I can be. Cause I, I tell people today, uh, working on cars is tough physically and mentally. And so that's kind of how, yeah, I'm all over the place right now, but it's kind of how we started building our brand was, was focusing on that. So, um, so yeah, we started, um, just kind of doing shade tree mechanic work, if you will. Um, I built quite a big network in Atlanta, working on cars mobily out of people's garages or out of their driveway. Um, and I met my business partner really before Facebook took off on the internet forums and um, on Beamer forums, notably, um, I went to school at the University of Georgia in Athens, which was about an hour, hour and a half from Clemson University, where my partner, Dave Markert, was getting his engineering degree. Uh, he was really big on the forums to helping out people with problem solving or do-it-yourself guides or just a plethora of information to help the community. Mm-hmm. And so I would actually drive and meet Dave up in Clemson to try to get his help on parts I couldn't press the bushings or ball joints out of without tearing up or advice or what have you. And so became good friends with Dave Marker um, through the forums. And um, eventually we both graduated. He moved straight down to Atlanta and started his shop in what I call our basement or dungeon shop. Mm-hmm. I, I started doing commercial construction in the family business for a while. Um, my dad wanted it to be a hundred year old company and I quickly realized, oh my gosh, am I going to be doing this the rest of my life? So um, long story short, I got an offer to leave on good terms because if, uh, if this whole rodeo didn't work out, I I would certainly want to go back to, you know, what I'm familiar with. And um, so I left, left there, um, gave them two weeks notice. They asked for a month. I was like, actually the stars have aligned. All my projects are closing. It's, very rare that with the overlap of projects that you'd yep. actually get an exit to where you're not leaving them high and dry on something. And again, the stars just aligned. I got an opportunity to go out to Davos, Switzerland um, with my mom's business partner at the time. They had the most snow that they had had in a hundred years. And I ended up staying, it was supposed to be for seven or 10 days. I stayed for almost a month bouncing around Europe because I was scared to come back to America because I had just quit my job and had nothing to come back to. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, Dave Markert's calling me nonstop saying, get your butt back home. I need help at the shop. I need help at the shop. And um, finally came back and started working with Dave. We had some up and downs in the beginning, um, as as you would expect with any partnership, just really getting to know each other. And it was almost like the dating phase. I, I would say that we are married now and I would not do this without Dave. He's been an incredible partner. Um perfect compliment to myself. Um, I jokingly say we're the perfect yin and yang combo. Um, he, uh, is just opposite to me in every way, but opposites attract, they say. And, um, again, it was a a great compliment to each other. Um, so that's kind of a, kind of the early getting started days about 
spending the whole hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that, that, that's, a, that's a great um, backstory. And so then now if, if you want to go into a little bit about yeah. like how many shops you guys had and then um, we'll, we'll dig into a little bit of how you kind of knew you were ready to expand from that one shop to now the, all, all the different locations that you guys are at. Yeah, so I'd love to speak to the power of, um, I'm going to get teared here. I'm just kidding. The power of speaking things into existence is always kind of been something I believe in. Um, trying to remember where, where it came from. My dad always, I always remember him saying that kind of stuff, like speaking into existence. And um, even a Henry Ford quote is, um, what did he say? Uh, Whether you think you can or cannot, you're right. Yep. And that may not be exactly his words, but along those same lines. And so we've always been goal oriented and, and we believe in writing goals down and speaking those things into existence. So I remember, you know, we just wanted to get 10 grand in the checking account in the early days back in the dungeon. And, you know, that way it'd have some operating cash and could yep. maybe buy a couple new lifts or computers or tools or what have you. And um, so I was like, all right, well, we need 10 grand. And we spoke that into existence. As soon as we got 10 grand, that felt like zero because you don't want to go below that. Yep. So it's like, all right, now we want X number and the next number. And so we started making these goals and we would write them down and we'd, we'd, we'd hit them. And so we started kind of coming up with crazier, bigger goals. Um, we bought our first store in 2016 uh, to get us out of that basement of the out of business strip mall. Um, and we needed to save, you know, almost six figures to put down on the, on the, on the building purchase mm-hmm. when doing an SBA loan. And, um, you know, we didn't think we could, but we kept, we didn't think we could, but we kept saying we could. Yeah, and no. eventually, you know, we were able to, to, to close on that deal right as the lease was ending for our, our out of base, uh, nearly out of business strip mall in the basement of the dungeon over there. Um, it was perfect timing because we did not want to renew there. We were getting a lot of pressure from the, the city for, you know, too many cars and parking. And, you know, we were always just trying to keep in the best graces of everybody. And, you mm-hmm. know, we'd, we'd close up for the weekend and come back Monday and cars were getting towed in over the weekends. We didn't know. And the fire marshal would be there saying, you can't park cars here. And we'd be like, oh, they just got dropped off. And <laughs> so as we got into our first location, we, um, you know, started our business started evolving we were big in the bmw performance world we were big into the race car and track car stuff but it, be, it it became increasingly difficult whether it be insurance they wanted nearly 10x per year what mm-hmm. what you would pay for normal garage keepers insurance um scalability from training to even just the the liability of doing a big performance build. It's like, Hey, you're exceeding the capabilities of the car more than two to three X of what it was intended from the factory. You know, it's going to be expensive. And sometimes no matter how much clear expectations you set, whether it be in writing or really having these heartfelt conversations, it was difficult. So we eventually decided, um, you know, we want to get out of the performance stuff. We want to get into, street service and reliable maintenance and repair with a good tone and a good, you know, a good vision for bringing technology into the, the, the stuff with, you know, the different taking pictures of things and quoting stuff down to the penny and, and prioritizing work. So people didn't feel like you're just trying to sell them everything all at once and a more modern approach to car care, um, an honest approach and a more modern approach. Um, So that's kind of, we started then, changing the, the direction of the business and we're like well hell this is this is this is scalable like yeah. 
let's come up with something crazy. Cause again, we, we were always goal setting. We came up with 50 stores mm-hmm. and I'm um, like thinking, Oh my gosh. So we just started saying that. And um, we bought our second store in 2018. It was an old, um, an old Napa auto care center over in Marietta. Mm-hmm. The previous owner was later in his life and career and, and was ready to retire. His family was having some health issues. And so that was our first acquisition and second store, second location. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the perfect example of like, and bless their hearts, you know, they, they were hardworking, good people, but just a perfect example of what this industry really needs. The, the shop was dark and scary. There's oil on everything. All the equipment was super sketchy. Like there were lifts that needed to either be replaced or majorly overhauled. And they would just like tie some metal to the structure of the building. Oh like, my that, goodness. That's not how that works. That's not an environment we want for our teammates. So no. I remember um, when we first got into that store, cleaning it up, you know, getting fresh equipment and fresh lifts and, I remember doing an LED conversion. They, they literally had these huge, big metal halide light bulbs over each bay that were just radiating heat. No AC in the shop. Oh blasting these guys. And, and, but still loyal teammates. One of the gentlemen have been there for over 25 years. Love him to death. Big shout out to John McCray. He loves us giving him shout outs and he deserves every shout out we can. No. Um, I remember when we first painted the inside white kind of over the weekend as a surprise and did some of the led light conversions. I remember he came back in the next Monday and he goes, it's brighter than outside. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just so happy. Um, he would invite all of his customers that have been coming to him for 25 years to see the shop and see the improvements. And um, he's still, uh, we call him the leader of the on-brand band and that'll get us into the culture of what we started to create. Um, and so, yeah, speaking to the culture, that, that's how you, in my opinion, can successfully grow a company because um, the cultures are always going to change. You can't just say this is our culture because culture is changing all the time every day. And so we've tried to create this culture that is repeatable as well as just the other, you know, hard stuff of the business, right? Like we're going to look at your car. We're going to do an inspection on your vehicle. We're going to take pictures of stuff. But how can we continue to scale the business with the culture? Um, so that led us into what we created um, being called on brand. Yeah. Um, so the on brand stuff is still a work in progress. Um, it is becoming more and more popular and more viral. For instance, um, some of my teammates told me they were at a, um, they were just at this big training called vision mm-hmm. less than a month ago. And, someone from another organization came up to my teammates and goes, Hey, you guys from true automotive. And they're like, yeah, they go, y'all are really on brand. And my whole team just, you know, learned excitement because that's really cool. But um, so that's kind of been something we've been working on for the last two years is, is the, the on brand culture. Again, working on cars is tough physically and mentally you bust your knuckle and it's sore for a week. And every time you hit it on something else, it reopens that wound. So to, mm-hmm. we saw, you know, people are scared of car repair too. Rightfully so. Again, I would have been scared as all heck going to um, our old Marietta store before we started trying to get in there and clean it up and, and get it on brand as we call it. Um, and so, you know, we're just trying to have this, 
culture of positivity, the yes, we can, because again, it's, you know, if one person's negative in your group, it's going to bring everybody down. We're all vibing off each other. Um, so just a quick little uh, spiel to that. We can. Yeah. yeah well, so like, I guess what influenced your ideas behind on brand or what, what kind of helped form what it is today? Yeah. So again, just really putting all the, the teammates first, I feel like, um, I, I would hope, you know, they would say that, that, that we, that we, you know, practice what we preach. I really do believe that we do. Um, so really putting the teammates first, we were in the very early days, even big on 401k, you know, healthcare was always our goal. We've been doing that for, for probably five years now, mm-hmm. but all that stuff's really expensive. And especially yeah. as a small business, like when you don't even know how to make money, let alone pay yourselves. Like now, how do you put the teammates first to really try to put, put them first? Yeah. Right? Like I'm not making any money. Like how do I pay anyone else any money? Yeah. And so um, I remember crying a lot and crying to my bookkeeper being like, it's not worth it. <laughs> I can go get a job. I got, I graduated cum laude from Terry college of business at Georgia. Like what am I doing? I can go make some money doing, you know, stuff outside of here. My dad wanted me to come back to his business, this, that, and the other. Um, so I think it all started putting the teammates first, right? So I think 401k was one of our first benefits, healthcare, you know, um, and we even do small little stuff on the side, right? Like I won't say any names, but we've helped people get dentist, dentist work done. We've helped people get LASIK eye surgery. We've We've always tried to put the teammates first. I can't tell you how many first-time homes we've helped people buy, how many people we've helped get their dream car. You know, material stuff is okay, but but some of the other stuff like LASIK, right? I mean, giving someone the gift of vision without glasses. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you know, um, the the gift of a of a clean, healthy smile. You know, like that that affects someone in every aspect of their life, not just work. So that's the kind of impact we want to have on our teammates across the board, whether you're the most intro teammate that's, that's new as an apprentice or just getting their foot in the door to help clean, just to be around the teammates to the top teammates, our managers, our regional manager, Will Dunford, who's incredible. Um, So to finding goals, like one of our bigger goals, sure. We have number goals and and revenue and gross profit and things like that. We want to hit because we need to make money as a business. We got bills to pay and mouths to feed. But really, we we want to see 20 people this year make more than 100 grand That's just awesome. in our Atlanta network, not yeah. including our stores in Colorado yep. and Texas. Um, so starting to now define those goals that way, I think is going to really help take us to the next level. That's So it's all encompassing. Again, yeah. that's another hour long and yep. happy to talk about it again. But um, yeah. yeah. How, 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 how are you structuring it that way? So there's that opportunity for them to be able to now hit certain goals and uh, kind of reach that six figure mark. Perfect. And that's exactly, um, that's exactly why we've uh, in late 21 formulated the simply true automotive group. Nice. So that, that is what brings us into these new markets in terms of Colorado and Texas. Um, we've partnered with two amazing individuals in the industry, um, Ashley Silvatello and Ryan Blair. Ryan Blair runs probably one of the largest, uh, revenue grossing European automotive stores out of Dallas called Blair Automotive. And Ashley is second generation. Her dad had a very successful shop out in Houston. She left Houston to enter a whole new market on, on her own with her husband, Theo, 
in Denver. Um, and has to be one of the fastest growing. She, she probably did three over $3 million like her first year. Wow. It's just, so, um, now, now we're, since we're building this group again, with the goal of 50 stores, mm -hmm. right. We've got some of the best talent, uh, really quick speaking to the yin and yang, Ashley and Ryan are like the other corners. Now the yin and yang is instead of a circle, it's a square. They're the other corners that complement Dave and myself as well. Mm -hmm. So the things that they like and are good at, you know, they're doing and the things that we like and that we're good at, we're able to do now and just kind of help um, you know, use our skill sets the best that we can. And so we're designing this, this organization to have more upward mobility. Yep. Um, since we can have some shared expenses now um, can, because there's so much accounting that goes on behind the scenes. There's so much HR that goes on behind the scenes, especially if you want to grow and scale. Mm -hmm. um, we're now able to leverage the, this partnership to just make better use of all of our resources and, and just, just to have that upward mobility, right? So since we want more stores, you know, we want people growing into manager roles. As we open mm -hmm. more stores, those managers can grow into regional roles. You know, technicians can grow into different more training or foreman roles. Um, we actually have a full-time trainer, um, Samantha Andrews. She's been with us uh, for, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, is it already coming up five years? Um, you know, she's incredible. And, um, you know, she, she runs a lot of that. So we're just trying to create that upward mobility. And the more we grow, the more we're able to do that, the more you know, once you've got all your basic needs covered personally, a lot of that excess can go back into reinvesting in the business can mm -hmm. go into training. Um, like I said, we just sent half of the company to vision. We got the next half going to the world pack STX. Was it this week? Oh my yes. gosh. So yes. it's coming up. Um, so we, yeah, we've just been into that to training folks. Uh, one last quick, funny thing. And uh, I remember, paying for some of these training things in the early days and again, crying. So I remember crying probably to my dad being like, Oh my gosh, it's so expensive. Why is training so expensive? Like what if they leave? Yeah. It's so scary. And I think I joked with you and said, well, it, it's scary. Yeah. But if they leave, but what if you don't train them and what if they stay? Yeah. So I, I know it's a little cliche. People have heard that before, but it's so true. More pun intended there. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> Investing in your team is just so very important. It's hard, like, it's hard not seeing it as, a, as an expense because it's like, without your team, what, what would the company be? It's like, you, would, you can't do everything yourself. And so you need to invest in these people to be prepared for that upward mobility. And so a, a lot, along those lines, um, what, I guess, how, how, how do you guys go about knowing when someone is potentially ready for that, that upward management position? Are there processes that, that you guys have them follow? What is that, what is that sort of, and I, I know the path is there, but how sure. do they go about progressing that? Um, and I don't want to misspeak to that. So fortunately um, with Will Dunford and uh, Dave, that's almost kind of their expertise. Gotcha. Um, okay. Will Dunford's been super huge and influential in our company. We brought him in when we had two stores. Um, he worked for a company that that helped grow AT&T stores in multi-locations. Mm -hmm. So I think he's opened 18 or, or maybe he was running 18 different AT&T stores. And obviously, you know, we first want to try to promote from within. 
Yep. Right. Especially when it comes to leadership, especially when it comes to that kind of thing, because there's a great book, um, The Five Levels of Leadership. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember the author right here. But, but you can just title someone a leader and that doesn't make them a leader. Yeah. Right. In fact, it's the lowest form of leadership just being titled the manager or titled mm-hmm. the boss or titled the leader. Like that's not going to get you respect, especially in car repair. Um, especially, you know the technicians have, you know, grumbles towards the office or vice versa. And again, getting back to culture, like we never want that dichotomy of the office versus the techs. Mm -hmm. Right. So have we hired outside managers? Yes. Um, Do we want to try to promote them from within? Yes. As well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's uh, I don't know if I'm answering your question. Sorry, getting a little off there, but um, we'll have to invite Will, Will Dunford in uh, for the next podcast. (laughs) <laughs> for sure for sure we can dig a little bit more into that next time but then that yeah, i guess i guess back in back along the lines of of culture i mean so i guess how how many team members um did, are you guys currently working with across your different shops now Just Certainly. So there's, that. there's close to 50 teammates here in atlanta and i think we we're adding it up i think we're at 86 or so across wow. the whole network um so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of teammates and, um, I'd love to say we hire for attitude versus, you know, just aptitude or someone's ability to do something. I would much rather be broke and around positive people than rich and around all the negative people. So, um, just, we, we do have incredible teammates that can turn some crazy hours and can some crazy numbers and things like that. But again, they're coming into work with a smile and they're infectious with that smile and, and helping to spread that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah. And yeah, that's so key. And I know that now that you guys are going to have, uh, and you have these partnerships going on within different locations. And so obviously now you want to represent that culture across the same way across the board. And so now that you kind of are encompassing a wide range of different areas, how, how are you going to go about implementing that when you're not going to be there every single time? Correct. And so what's cool then about creating the on-brand culture is it's starting to be self-policing, right? So like Uh no one wants to not be on brand. And so we, we've, uh, again, speaking to Will, he has, um, he is so consistent and so disciplined. Um, I love practicing discipline myself, but sometimes I'm, you know, shiny object squirrel over there, whatever. <laughs> um, he, he has been so huge in the company with his consistency. So he hosts weekly meetings with all different managers on, on, on board and um, different other, you know, back of house teammates and things like that. Um, where we talk about culture, we run different PL meetings. We run different goals for the week or the month through the teammates. Um, and again, just the solidarity is one of our um, gears, as we mm-hmm. say, we have different core values and solidarity is one of our values. So yeah, we just want everyone to be on the same page, right? Cause yeah. we all have different backgrounds. We all have different goals. We all have different initiatives and upbringings and things that get us up out of bed in the morning. So yeah, like you said, how do we create that consistent culture um, training? We got, like I said, a full-time trainer. Will does a lot of training, follow-up coaching, because just because you've been trained on it doesn't mean you're implementing it. Um, following up to where you're not just ruffling feathers, right? Because no one wants to be micromanaged. So we try to say we have spirits of the rules instead of just stone cold rules. Now, of course, we do have to have 
certain stone cold rules, but if, if we can get away with the spirit of the rule, yeah. that's always going to be much more well-received in the company than you would, um, you know, just, you have to do it this way or else. Yeah. Occasionally we do have to draw the that like, Hey, this is a non-negotiable. Are you willing to do it? Are they? Yes or no? If not, there's the door. And some people take the door, but for the most part, people want to want to do it the true way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so your, your trainings, are they external? Are they internal? Are they both? Like what, what does that sort of look like in terms of training? Certainly both. Um, we, we definitely um, surround ourselves with, again, the best in the industry. I'll give a quick shout out to Aaron Stokes and Shop Fix Academy. Um, we've been one of the first t- members in that group. They're up to several, several hundred now. Um, Dave, Ashley, and Ryan are actually all coaches for Shop Fix. Mm-hmm. So they're currently coaching between, call it 25, 30 shops a piece or what have you, um, which is kind of nice because we're kind of running a hundred shops right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, a lot of the stuff, no, it's crazy how like some of our just core gut instincts are, are right, but a lot yeah. of it is shared, shared. So like, I don't really believe there's any competition in this market. I could believe I could, you could open a shop right next to me. I might be a little nervous at first, but really we are our own competition. So yeah. You know, uh, did we answer the phone right? Did we get their car looked at quick enough? Did we get them back on the road when we promised and on time and, or, you know, on budget, just like we promised and all that kind of stuff. So there's so much internal ops and everything for us to always look at and improve upon. Be colleagues with your quote unquote competition, right? Hmm. Otherwise we're going to beat our prices down. Like how did the healthcare industry get so expensive? It's insane. I went to the doctor for less than an hour and they're trying to bill me like $2,500. They yeah. wouldn't even quote me. <laughs> you know, like what? That, that didn't come about overnight. They, that, yeah. they, they figured that out. Yeah. Um, and that's not, I don't want to run our business like that. Yeah. Golly, what a nightmare. <laughs> a whole nother topic. But yeah. anyway, it's like, we try to hang out with the best of the best in the industry. Um, and we want to have the same morals and values and, and value to the customer. Um, you know, like, uh, really quick, there's, um, I remember learning this in maybe college or maybe late high school. There's a difference between an order winner and an order qualifier. We'll look at a car, a modern day car today. It's got airbags and tire, uh, pressure monitors and backup cameras and AC and all this stuff. We'll go back a hundred years ago. At one point, AC was an order winner. Right. And as time went on, now that's an order qualifier. You can't even sell a car if it doesn't have AC. Yep. Right. And so as it moves on and on and on. So a lot of the value we have at True Automotive right now is, is our order winners. We have courtesy loaner cars, triple the dealership warranty, you know, this, that, and this. And eventually all that stuff, all of those order winners right now for us as True Automotive, those are going to be uh, order qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Right. And I need to start speaking more in, in the simply true automotive group. Yeah. You know, if you don't have those courtesy loaner cars, if you don't have that exceptional customer service experience, the digital pictures, the pricing down to the penny, yep. prioritizing the work priority one, two or three. So they know what's due today based on their, their concerns and or safety, what they can put off and should budget for in the future. 
eventually all of that stuff is going to be order qualifiers. If the mm-hmm. shop is not doing that, you're not even going to go at all. Yeah. So again, we always have to be on the, the forefront of, um, of what can we implement to give more value to our customers and make the, their jobs easier for the teammates. And again, as time goes by, those things that were innovative and amazing are going to just be come normal. And that's why we got to hang out with as many brilliant minds, including yourself as we can, you know, and, and your audience here listening to this podcast, I hope they get some value out of it or else don't waste your time. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure people are going to find values in different, different, definitely different, different pieces. Cause I mean, just based on the scale that you've been able to grow from such from in a garage to now so many different shops, partnering with different groups. I mean, people would love to be in that position to understand that growth. And so to go I'm along, with, yeah, to, to go along the lines with the growth, I guess, how, and I know you made goals, which is, which is huge. I am a hundred percent believer in goals as well, but what made you then know like, okay, now is the time to take action on getting the second shop. Now is the time to take action and partnering with these other groups in different areas. What, what made you feel like, yes, it's time. We're ready. Sometimes I'm like, no, we're not ready. Why is this opportunity happening now? Um, one of the biggest, uh, man, I, I, I try to be grateful and I try to live in the moment as best I can. Um, do I have worries from the past? Yeah. Do I have, anxieties for the future for sure sometimes the opportunity just plops itself in your lap and it's not a good time Mm -hmm. um we had a great opportunity down in atlanta Uh, a lady found us in the ratchet and wrench uh magazine and reached out to us wanting to sell her store of 40 years and just wasn't the right time we had just bought our third and fourth store um in fact that that wasn't right timing We, we tried to buy our fourth store which is Woodstock in Atlanta. It fell through. Someone came in and outbid us. They pulled the rug out from underneath us. We I forget all the details now. It's been a few years, but we lost that deal. We opened up a store in Swanee, get that started going. And then the deal from Woodstock re- reopened and they like lowered their price a hundred grand and they wanted us to take owner, not ownership because of like who they knew we were and like what mm-hmm. we stood for, even though they could have got more money. Yep. Right. So we were like, no, it's bad timing. We just opened it. <laughs> we didn't think this deal was happening. We, we yeah. just did a deal. And, um, you know, in terms of like, how do you get the money to open the stores? Like I got to test a day marker with some of his financial stuff, have banking relationships early, like start mm-hmm. making friends with your banker, make sure that your banker is committed to that bank and is going to be there for a while. Um, you know, we've done a few SBA deals and they're a good way to get started, but but they're tough right, to keep going with. So eventually you're going to want more traditional lending. Yep. Um, but how do you know when, when a deal pops up? Um, that's the other thing too, is there's always going to be a good deal. Mm-hmm. So I like to always try to look for the good in it. Do I miss not having got that store right down the street? Yeah. Um, you know, now I'm, you know, I'm doing all kinds of deals. Um, this deal just flopped in our lap. That's fixing to be our uh, sixth or here in Atlanta. We weren't shopping for that deal. It, it came to us. And um, in fact, when the owner met with us, I was worried that, you know, we have our recruiting nets out and indeed and all that. I was worried that he was going to try to talk to us about us taking his teammates, which we don't want to do. Yeah. We, we don't, we don't want to poach anybody. We want to, we want the best teammates in Atlanta. And as we've grown, everybody knows everybody. Um, but our intentions were to not 
poach his teammates, but again, we were just trying to have the best environment and best mm-hmm. benefits for everybody. Um, so we thought he wanted to meet with us about that. And he was like, Hey, I'm, I'm c- coming to an impasse in my career and would love for you to, to bring my store. I've worked my whole life at to what you guys are doing with true. And I'm like, Oh, my heart. <laughs> you know, amazing. Yeah. It's so nice. And so, um, this is going to be a really neat deal. This is again, bad timing. Um, you know, we're pulling out all the savings. I liquidated my 401k. I got all my toys for sale. Wow. Um, everything's for sale to make this deal happen. Um, but the teammates over there are amazing. Um, they're already interested in our company. We've met with the owner and the teammates, which is not something that we would normally do. Right. Um, being an Atlanta sports fan, I never like to celebrate. So we have won. Yes. <laughs> in any Atlanta sports do not celebrate early. Uh, we are not done. So we, we did go already meet this team over there um, and let them know, Hey, there's not a done deal. Anything can still break this up at any moment. We can blame the bankers and the lawyers for that. Um, but yeah, like in terms of how do you know when you're ready for deals, you definitely have, need to have certain key metrics, right? Like a lot of folks, especially when you're hanging out with other shop owners and you see them growing and open up lots of stores, you know, keeping up with the Joneses certainly mm-hmm. wants to try to kick in. You definitely need to be ready. I mean, when we, when we opened our second store, that was tough, mm-hmm. right? Half, half, if not almost all of our company quit at one time because we no longer did race car stuff. Right. They didn't see our vision for what we wanted to do. They're like, oh, we don't do track car stuff. We don't do fun stuff. See you never. No notice. Walked out. It's like, holy cow. Um, You know, can't tell you how many different pain points we had, but you want to have a lot of a lot of stability. You want to have a lot of processes in place. You want to have a lot of good people that aren't going to leave you Mm -hmm. that are going to put through, you know, trying to not say the S word, but put through the crap, yep. you know, that that's going to happen sometimes when, when you grow. And um, to quote one of my awesome managers, who's running our biggest store in Lawrenceville, Bill Lewandowski, all good things come to those that stay the course, right? It may suck for a little bit, but it will get better if you trust the process. Mm. Do you trust the process? And he's one of the newer managers in our company. I've known him for 20 years he moved all the way back from Denver to join our company before we partnered with teammate or partnered with teammates in Colorado. Probably would have, probably would have loved to stay out there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, he, he's got a lot of idioms for, um, you know, trust in the process, stay in the course. He, he was actually a collegiate level and youth lacrosse coach. So he's perfect for the, the managerial duties here at true automotive and simply true auto group. Um, but yeah, he, um, you know, has those, those good things like stay the course, speak things into existence, save money, make money, take good care of your customers. If they're not happy, write them a check, ask them, what can I do to fix your car and fix it fast? You know, yeah. uh, it's just uh, tens of hours of combo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And then, and one last question on this topic. Sure. Is like, I know you like these deals, it seems like they're more, you're not hunting them down. They're getting kind of attracted to you. So what do you think is creating, like what is causing that attraction of like people asking you to buy their shop and keep, yeah. keep that going? Another bill idiom is the best don't brag, the best get bragged for. 
Mm. Um, and I'm not saying we're the best, right? Hey, yeah. um, but, but we are striving to be better, right? Mm-hmm. Every day. And, and again, better than just ourselves. We are our own competition. There's mm-hmm. plenty of great, amazing shops all over yep. around every corner. Um, but the best on brag, the best get brag for. And so, and that even goes into recruiting, right? Like if you knew the best sports team, you're going to want to play for them. Yep. Right. So like, I was never the biggest team sport person, but you know, if I got an opportunity to go hang out with the Falcons, I'd go hang out with them. Mm-hmm. They may not be the best. So that's probably not the best analogy. <laughs> they're better than, they're better than collegiate sports. They're better yeah. than high school sports. They're better than middle school football. Mm-hmm. So like how, you know, people want to hang out with people that are awesome. And so that's, that's our recruiting model right now. Like how can we, we may not think that we can afford them, but we also cannot not afford them. Yep. We have to get the best teammates in our company and we have to take great care of them. And we have to make sure they love coming to true automotive and simply true auto group every day. Um, so that is our mission. Um, and that's, what's going to keep attracting, I believe in the law of reciprocity and, I believe in, um, you know, putting stuff out there and and it comes back. Yeah. Givers gain. There's so many analogies to that stuff. Speaking into existence, put it out there. We will at Simply True Auto Group have the best teammates in all of our markets. We will have the best comp plans for all of our employees. We'll have the best benefits, the best training, the best, most amount of time off, best hourly pay, the best everything. That is our goal. And I'm speaking into existence. So I absolutely love that. Then to, to kind of last bit, like just to send, send you off here. Um, yeah. If you had maybe a top two, top three suggestions for those maybe shops that are, they want to be in your position of like more locations or just sure. more culture happiness in their shop. What, what would you, what would your suggestions be for them? Without even thinking, find a coach. Find a coach. It doesn't matter if it's shop fix like my teammates are in or in any other coaching group, find a coach. It could be someone completely out of, out of the industry. Find a coach. Um, they can, they can advise you with less emotion until you get that experience to where it's not as a big a deal. But I'll tell you also is you're always going to feel struggles. You're always going to feel pain um, you know, I think I briefed you or maybe not, but I've been going, I've been going through some of the most pain in my life lately. Um, it's been tough. Um, we got a general contractor at our fifth store who wasn't paying any of his subs and ran off with all our money and didn't complete the job and really screwed me up bad. And, you know, it's been the end of the world, but I remember same thing. It was the end of the world when the customer wanted her $2,500 back when we were in the basement of that, a business strip mall. So I overheard some of my teammates and I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up, but I overheard some of my teammates complaining about this crazy customer that they weren't able to help bring to the truth. And they weren't able to let them know like what our vision is and yeah, we'll give you your money back. But, but here's where we were at with that. And like, you know, I go, Oh man, I would love to talk to some upset customers, bring them on employee issues, manager, you know, let me do that. So you're always going to, feel like you know you're you're when you're learning it's going to feel painful it's going to feel like you, you can't get out you're going to feel trapped sometimes but again all good things come to those that stay the course so awesome. find a good coach i recommend reading books 
practice gratitude, take a cold shower, make your bed in the morning, drink water. Don't poison yourself. Try to eat healthy foods and, and get some sunshine. So. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Rob. Um, for those people that maybe want to reach out and have any questions for you, what would be the best way for them to contact you? Definitely. I'm definitely trying to grow my LinkedIn account. I never used it much because there's so many darn social media platforms out there. You can find me on LinkedIn, Rob Eskew. Find me on Facebook, um, Rob Eskew again. My email is Rob, R-O-B, at trueautomotive.com or Rob at simply true automotive group dot com i uh, would love to help anybody um it's the name of the game the more people you help the more will come back to you absolutely well thank you so much rob for your for your time today and for those watching thank you so much for being here and we look forward to seeing you guys again next time